Dr. Kim Samuelson was born outside of Copenhagen, Denmark. He earned his veterinary degree from the University of Copenhagen in 1981. After working in bovine practice, he discovered acupuncture from a colleague as a way of treating uterine torsions. He transitioned to equine practice and was certified by IVIS in acupuncture in 1997 and was certified by the International School of Osteopathy in 2003. In 2006, he studied indirect osteopathy with Dr. Patricia Cortegas. In 2015, he began to use acupuncture to treat small animals, horses, and humans at his home. Earlier this year, he transitioned out of being a, in a collective of equine practitioners that shared emergency call and is concentrating solely on his acupuncture practice. Dr. Samuelson has long been active in organizational medicine. He served as treasurer of NOVAS since 2004, has been involved with the IVIS examination committee since 2008, and has served as an IVIS board member and as IVIS president. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Kim Samuelson as we discuss his childhood, his discovery of acupuncture, practice life, and the freedom that comes from not having to take emergency equine call duty. Dr. Samuelson, thanks so much for taking the time today. It's my pleasure to be with you. So, so, so where did you grow up? Um, I grew up, um, you know, Denmark is like a continental part of Denmark and there are two major islands. And the eastern, the biggest island is uh, where Copenhagen is situated. Um, I'm on the west side of this island. So one hour from Copenhagen, that's where I grew up in the province. Um, so in a small, small town, uh, my dad was a carpenter. My mom was a, ha a housewife. And uh, I loved staying with my grandparents on my mom's side. They had a farm. I, I loved since I was a very small kid, I loved farming and have, have, uh, dealing with animals and, and you know, uh, riding the tractor in the fields, uh, whatever you could, if you could be useful in any way on a, on a small farm, that was really what I wanted when I was a kid. So you must have gotten the idea of being a veterinarian pretty early. Yeah, uh, I don't know exactly how old I was, oh, maybe 10, maybe somewhere between 10 and 15. Uh, we used to go to our local vet if our dog or cat had any problems. And I was amazed that within five to ten minutes, he was able to make a diagnosis and say, hey, this is your treatment. And, and he was, I was so amazed. I mean, how could somebody know so much about animals and diseases? I, I really wanted to, to be with him. <laughs> so that was actually what, what kicked me from the very beginning. Did you uh, did you enjoy your veterinary school experience? I did. Uh, I did. Uh, I had to have have to make, uh, when I graduated from the high school. I had to be be very good to to pass to go into vet school, and I just happened to be good enough. Uh, nowadays, I would not be able to <laughs> to go to vet school because <laughs> the grades nowadays. I mean, it's A A's, all A's, or you have to stay out. Uh, so it's all the all the girls who are in vet school now. The boys are not so they don't work so hard as the girls do. But I I love staying there in the Copenhagen. I had a nice time there, in the city, in the capital, um, seeing a lot of people. And I, but I knew that once I graduated, I had to go out of there, somewhere in the um, yeah out there where the farms are. I wanted to be a general vet, so. I was happy to leave finally after 
five and a half very nice years in Copenhagen. What uh, sort of practice did you join then? Uh, well, you see, at that time, that was in 81. 1981, there was a lot of unemployment, even uh, with uh, vets. So I was looking for a job. And the funny thing is, at last year at vet school, I said to everybody, no matter what happens, I don't want to go to Western Jotland. That was as far as you can go from Copenhagen. And I don't want to be on a slaughterhouse. And guess where I started? <laughs> on a slaughterhouse in Western Jotland. <laughs> and that's for a very good reason, because uh, uh, later that year, I married my wife, and she had she we were we were seeing one another before I graduated, and uh, she had a job in in Western Jutland near her where she came from, and I have to join her, so I le <laughs> left Copenhagen and went to Western Jutland and uh, started working at a slaughterhouse, post meat and control, post uh, mortem meat control. Um, which I didn't like that much, but it was a job and I had an income and I was happy. How so long were you there? I, uh, and I looked for somewhere to, to be an assistant in a, uh, in a general practice. And it, it took me one and a half year and I finally got it. And well, I just loved being in general practice. I mean, uh, the way that you could be presented of, to any kind of problem and you had to figure out something that would help in that situation. And, and I loved it. Uh, it was uh, like 90% cattle, little swine, uh, almost no horses, almost no small animals. But it, it, uh, it developed from there, you could say. Yeah. Mo moved to another practice where they had more horses and a small animal clinic was there for four years then i went to where uh, we are now we've been here for 32 years now um i was an assistant for half a year and then i joined the practice and this practice has developed through you could say had generations of more and more vets involved in the same practice mean meaning that we were at a point in 2006 we made the largest uh, practice in Denmark with more than 35 vets, a lot of local practices joining, and we split up into a, a group that was bovine vets, small uh, uh, swine vets, small animal vets, and horse vets. At that time, I had been doing acupuncture for a while, uh, and on horses, of most of all, uh, some small animals as well. So I needed to go to to shift to go to to a ho uh, horse clinic. So that's where I ended up. Uh, How did you get started with acupuncture? Uh, well, that's I know exactly what day <laughs> I got <laughs> the idea. <laughs> it was back in 1988. Uh, it was in August. Uh, there was a meeting at a local laboratory. They presented their the new laboratory, and I, we were there. A lot of local vets were there. I met another assistant. I said to him, uh, "You know, this morning I had a, such a difficult case of a uterine torsion in a, in a, in a cow, and uh, eventually I, I I fixed it. But I'm, um, you know, I was worn out after." Then he said, "You know, you should use acupuncture on those cases." And I I barely knew the name acupuncture. I said, "What?" Well, 
what are you talking about? Yeah, you put some needles on the in the back uh, or the pelvis region of the of the this cow, and um, then the cervix dilatates very easily, and you just pull out the calf. Really? <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, is there a book about? Can I can I read it somewhere? Yeah, this you know this Kurt Bauer, Oswald uh. Kurt Bauer from Austria. He wrote a very nice book about it. So I got this book, uh, read through the chapters on bovine chapters, and I started using it, and it worked. And I knew nothing of acupuncture, but I could find the points, and it worked well. So I started um, uh, doing my journals on. All uh, you know, uh, paperwork on all these cases. I wrote them all down, and after a few years, I had like seventy-five cases uh, that I knew exactly when it happened, where it happened, which car was it? Uh, was it our first time recover? Second, how many calves did it have previously? Uh, was there any damage to the car? Was it okay after? Did the car, uh, calf live? So I had a lot of information. And uh, later on, it was actually in um, 1980. When was it? It was in 1988. Later on, in 1996, I took the IRIS course. And at that time, I had a lot of information from this uterine torsions that I could present in, in my cases that I had to, to, to write. So this was my way into acupuncture. Where did you have to go to take the course? It was in Denmark at that time, in one of the few I think we have only had few courses in Denmark, like three or four, four, I think, have been courses in Denmark have been organized since, well, ever, I would say. Um, we're trying to organize another one, but together with uh, Linda Bogie from uh, the Netherlands and uh, the, the Scandinavian countries, which I'm in, on, the, on, the, on the board of, the, of NOVAS, which is... Uh, uh, the Scandinavian Association of Acupuncture. After you finished that course, did you were you still treating cattle, or when did you? Start yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I did uh, treat cattle until that was in well, for about, about ten years. I treated cattle after my after I had the IVAS certification. I was in general practice for about ten years, and then in two thousand and six, I joined the equine practice. All right. Uh, doing even more acupuncture. But you had taken osteopathy in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about 2003 or four, I think it was. It was a, a course in Denmark um, uh, with Edward Pascal. Mm -hmm. um, he, he died uh, shortly after we, we had the course, of, unfortunately, in a, in a car accident, very sadly. He was not very old. Uh, but we learned a lot of, uh, of uh, osteopathy then, and uh, I graduated at, uh, I was certified, you could say. And later on, I had, uh, I met uh, Patricia Cartagos, who's from the Netherlands, and uh, born in the Netherlands. Now she has a clinic in, uh, at the West Coast, U.S. West Coast, I think it is Washington State. Uh, yeah. She's a She's a physiologist uh, doing humans and small animals. And I learned from her the indirect techniques where you don't use a trust, but you feel what you, you use your hands, you will soft, gently, gently soft movements. You feel where's the blockage. 
and then you go with the go into the blockage and slowly release it and that course gave me so much sensitivity in my hands that I still love and this is really the basis of my work today is this sensitivity that was developed during that course that's uh, a good was, point so you, yeah. you you really had to retrain yourself really yeah I, I knew from the beginning that I was able to I just haven't learned how to do it I knew when I took the iris course that I was able to do indirect pulses even on at a distance on a horse I knew that because I we tra we were trained by uh, one of our lecturers, uh, Ara Thorsen from Norway, um, mm -hmm. and we were standing the whole whole team there, thirty students, around a horse. I was on the back row, and even from the back row, I could feel the pulses of the horse. And I went to one of the organizers who was next to me and said, "Isn't it the spleen?" And she was saying, "Yeah, but go for the kidney as well." So I knew I could feel it from the distance, and I still use that indirect pulse when. You know, you can have, you can have see a, a dog that does just doesn't make any reactions, no matter how you palpate. You get nothing from the dog, uh, and you know that's a problem because that's why the owner <laughs> brought the dog. So you have to find something, and if I can't find anything else, I use the enteric pulse to find the deficient meridian or organ, you could say, and I treat that, and. Quite often, it, it's it's my way into that dog. So I know that I have to have this ability to to feel. That uh, must have been a shocking discovery for you. Not really shocking. It, no, I don't. I think from my even from my childhood, I had this this eager to be able to feel things. I just I just hadn't the tools to do it when I was a kid or later on. But then I discovered way many decades later than that, that I could really I can feel things. Like um, we were having um, I actually invited Carriageway uh, to my clinic uh, way back ten years ago or more, um, and he was there giving a course, and we were treating a lot of horses, and. Um, one of the very sensitive Danish vets to do, I'll talk about her later. Uh, she said, uh, I said, I can't feel the, the diaphragm. It's easy, she said. Come on, come on, put a hand here on the, just behind the last rib. Put a hand up there on the lumbar region. Just feel it. Can you feel it? Oh, yeah, I can feel it. Good, you've got it, she said. I mean, she just had to show me, like putting her own hands on my hands. There you are. And I was kind of guided into that feeling of, is the diaphragm blocked, like like putting your hand on a wall? Or is it something that uh, you could say like a wooden thing that would what would give, when you put a, put a, bit, a bit of pressure on it, you can, you can sense the, um, this rubber type of, or, uh, of sensation that it gives away from you. It's, it's not just a wall that you put your hand on. And that's the difference to to me from a, to a block diaphragm or a okay diaphragm, and it's it's easy to did to, um, put a needle in. Did did cultivating that that talent did that yeah. help you on your traditional work, say your lameness work? Um, no, not really. 
No. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. No. Well, being at the clinic, at the, the horse clinic that we started way back in 2006, I worked with a very good lameness vet, lameness vet. And, and he, um, I think working with him, we, we often worked together on horses that were difficult. Uh, it gave me a lot of information and a lot of, uh, I learned a lot about lamenesses, uh, diagnosing, just, just to watch the horse, how, how they put the hoof down, how it moved in, in general. But the, the sensations I had to learn by myself, this sensitivity to, yeah. to grab it. So what was the, the equine practice that you joined? How many doctors and what was your schedule like? Uh, it was, we were from the very beginning, I think it was six, seven, six, seven vets, a lot of vets. Uh, then we, we built a, uh, a new, brand new clinic uh, from scratch. <laughs> I mean, the buildings were brand new. Um, I was very much involved in it with the architect how to, to make the whole thing work. Um, then slowly there were fewer and fewer, well, people left practice for some reason or the other. I think uh, that was one of the challenges. I was a leader of the group from the very beginning and I'm not, I'm not a born leader, you could say. <laughs> so I had my challenges because if we were colleagues, all the vets, and if you don't want to let somebody lead you, then the leader has a problem. And that was exactly what happened because everybody at that clinic used to be uh, clinic owners, practice owners. And now they had to say, okay, you're the boss to me. And well, that's a big mental step for, for everybody. Yeah. And I think uh, I had some hard times there. And I, I, uh, at a certain point, I just gave up and said, somebody else has to take it over here because I just want to be <laughs> your, your local horse vet and, uh, and let somebody else be the leader. Um, so that was a challenge. Uh, it was a learning process for everybody, I think. Uh, later on, we have to close the clinic. <laughs> it, it went down to, we were three beds for a period of time, and then the elder one was retiring, and we had to get a new one, a lameness specialist, and we could get one. Nobody mm -hmm. applied for the position. So eventually, like this is now seven years ago, mm -hmm. we closed the clinic and left it. And I'm on my own, I've been on my own ever since, which was good for me at that time, because now I can work exactly how I want to work. So as long as, as soon as I could just get over the thought of not being part of a bigger group, but now you're on your own again. It was a good time that when we were together, but well, now it's even better, <laughs> you would say. I'm, yeah. I'm having the best time of my life now when I'm working less. So, so you started off seven years ago by yourself again. Yeah. And were you just seeing horses or what was your practice yeah. like? Uh, horses. Uh, yeah. Horses. And I have a small, uh, I have an acupuncture clinic at home, seeing horses at home, rarely, but I some. And then uh, I have an acupuncture clinic for small animals. So I see dogs and maybe cats uh a few times a week at home. And I have a room for humans. So I see humans for acupuncture as well. Uh, I'm not trained 
in human acupuncture, but I mean, after so many years in 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 uh, veterinary acupuncture, I I can treat any, uh, humans no problem, uh, and I want to. And when I see somebody suffering from pain somewhere or whatever is the problem, I, I can't help saying, "Well, you should come to my clinic, and I'll I'll try to help you." Uh, and I see more and more people. Uh, musculoskeletal problems mostly pain in the elbow shoulder back whatever yeah so when you started back on your own that seven years ago you were still doing on call and traditional yeah. Tr- yeah. traditional medicine yeah I did. how how has that changed over time uh well last new year so it's now uh, almost 11 10 months ago uh i uh, i told the group that i'm we were a group of vets, local vets, who, who shared the calls. And I said to this group, uh, you know, I'm almost a pensionist now. I'm, I'm going to slowly retire, so I'm, I'll not do calls anymore. It's, it's, I have, I'm sorry, but I have to leave the group. Uh, of course, they were not too happy about it because <laughs> it means that they were, they were, they were fewer to have the same shift. Um, so. They, they were not happy about it, but they could understand my situation. And uh, I just left uh, the group and then just working like uh, eight to eight to six or four o'clock, eight to four o'clock uh, every day, four days a week. And that's nice. I'm really enjoying it. I'm not too busy. I, I want to have plenty of time to my patients. If I'm in a, ru- in a, in a rush, I can't do acupuncture. You have to take your time to do it properly. So this is, I imagine it's been a big uh, load off your mind not to have the on-call sort of hanging over yeah, your head. You know? absolutely. And, and so my family as well, because all my, ever since we were married and we, our kids were small, they, it was all always like when, when I was on call, uh, even at, at dinner in, in the evening, it would be, hey, shh, everybody, uh, phone is calling, uh, dad's phone is calling, uh, silence. So everybody was like um, go- governed by my, my telephone. And yeah. that was uh, something that I realized way later. Now that they are grown up, my kids are grown up a long time ago, and they're saying, you know, we missed you, dad, sometimes when, when we were kids. You were always busy working. Yeah, I have to, I have to admit they're, they're correct. That's how it was. So, yeah. Uh, you got I'm, there, I'm there for that for them now because whenever they need me for anything, like practical things to help them out with, I love to help them out, and uh, I have more time to do it now. So I hope I can catch up with something that I missed when they were kids. <laughs> you bet. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So you got involved with Novas pretty early. Oh yeah, um, Novas. Like uh, in two thousand and three, I was the treasurer of Novas at that time. I'm I'm still, <laughs> I've been looking for somebody to take over, and I was, <laughs> I happened to, uh, in on two occasions, somebody volunteered to to step in, but it didn't work. I mean, I, I had to take take it back very soon, and uh, so uh, it's still on my shoulders, and uh, well. Uh, I would like to, to have somebody to take over, but uh, they're not lining up, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not lining up. <laughs> so it's still, still on my shoulders. Yeah. 
and then uh, Ivis, your inner your involvement with Ivis came along pretty quickly too. Yeah. yeah um, it it I think it's it's about it was two thousand and seven. I I've been for of course uh, an Ivis member since I uh, I was set my certification in two thousand uh, in nineteen ninety seven. But um, I joined the exam committee with Linda Boogie uh, in 2007, I think. And she and I have made a lot of exams in Europe. Uh, the group has added more people. The exam group in Europe, um, I'm still one of them, often the lead examiner because Linda is trying to slow down. Uh, so I'm still an examiner. I'm going to Belgium this next uh, February. For, to do the exam there, um, so has that helped keep you sharp? I, I have to say yes. Because <laughs> you, I'm always checking through all the points for the for the point exams. I have to check them up every time. I think I know them, but I'm checking them anyway, all the time to to so just to be sure that I I'm sharp on that. Yeah. Both, I, I can do both small animals and, and horses and. Uh, I have to be sharp on, on everything. And w at what point did you get involved with the board? I was uh, uh, I was elected to the board from the House of Delegates uh, way back. Um, I just left the board now, uh, last week actually. <laughs> we had a board meeting last week and I left there. Um, as uh, I've been past president for two years. So six years of uh, commitment for, as president. You could say uh, before that it was one or two years on the board. Um, then I'm way back. I think it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. I don't know. Um, Boudouin Clays from uh, from Canada said to me, "One day it's your it's your turn to to become president." I said, "No way, <laughs> no way." <laughs> then uh, some years passed, and then I got a call from Uwe Pitterman, past president now mm -hmm. from Germany. He was uh, president elect at that time, and since I was on the board, he talked to the board, and he they wanted to to elect me, uh, wanted me to run for presidency. I, I, I was on my way to Sweden. I remember when I got the call, I was on my way to Sweden uh, for hunting and I was sitting in my car uh, or somebody else's car and I got this call and said, you, you have to give me some time because I'm, I'm on vacation now and I have to think it over and I'll come back to you in a week. And I talked to my wife and said, okay, um, I have to slow down on Nova, see if I can find another treasure for Novus. I have to slow down on the on our, our, my church commitment here at our local church. I've been on the church board for ages, 30 years now. Um, I have to, to skip that as well because now, now it's Ivers. It happened that I got elected to Ivers happened that I, I'm still on the church board because I couldn't let go when, it, when the time came. Uh, so I like this involvement. I, I just can't help it. So, But yeah. now the, those things have, uh, you're let, you've left the board mm -hmm. and you've got, uh, you've got no on-call. So what, what does the future look like for you? It's, a, it's an easy, easy way of living. Uh, a lot of time off work. A lot of holidays, more than I mean. Usually, we have five weeks of holiday in Denmark. That's not enough for me now. I, I have to 
have more time off work. I love sailing. We got a boat a few years ago, and I love sailing on the inlet called Limfjord. Limfjord is because there's limestone on sides of this fjord. You can there are great excavations for for chuck, where they they use for cement production. Uh, so this is the Limfjord, uh, and we, we love sailing there. And uh, I love go hunting during the winter time. Sail during the summertime. I love seeing my family. Uh, yeah, whatever. And you like woodworking. I like working, and I like I like working with, with wood. Uh, my my dad was a carpenter. I have sometimes we we get some wood from our. Uh, we have a small farm, and there's a small forest, and I, I cut down a very big pine tree from time to time, and I made furniture from it, or whatever. I like use. I like to work with my hands and produce things. Uh, that's yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a handcraftsman, you could say, even concerning the animals, because I love to work with my hands and uh, palpate. Have that connection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you uh, are you encouraged by the future of acupuncture for veterinarians? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that uh, we have. When I'm looking at at the Scandinavia, uh, Denmark has no problems with acupuncture on animals. Um, I'm I'm doing for the Danish Veterans Association. I'm doing some courses now and then together with, uh, and hopefully the new president-elect of Novas of Ivas, sorry, uh, she and I uh, do some courses for Danish Vet uh, Association. In Norway, it's kind of okay. In Finland, we have Anna Jelen Bjorkman at the university, who's a lecturer there, and who's a very good acupuncturist. Um, and in Sweden, it's almost forbidden for, for vets to do acupuncture. And you can only do it as a vet for pain treatment. You can do it for nothing else. Mm. And way back when we started advertising for the next or our next uh, IVAS course in, in, in the northern region here, we, were, we made an, an ad for a Swedish uh, vet journal. And they refused, refused to, to have it because they don't recognize acupuncture. I mean, really? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's so much difference, even in Scandinavia, on how you look at acupuncture. Yeah. Ah. But in Denmark, no problem. Um, and that's, I mean, I, I can do all the acupuncture that I almost want to, because I'm, I'm the only one around here. No, not entirely true, but um, that's, one, that's one thing I, I would like to mention, because there are three... Uh, Danish vets, uh, three uh, ladies, uh, Rikke Schultz, Vibeke Elbrand, and Tove Duwe, they have discovered the myofascial kinetic lines in horses. They have done this job within the last 10 years or so, just published a book about it. And from these three ladies, I, I've learned this way that I'm working today, uh, not so much uh, osteopathy, more I'm more working with this uh, myofascial kinetic lines, blocked muscles change, you could say. And those ladies have made a difference for me as well because I've, I've been very close to, I know them very well, all of them. And they taught me a lot about how to work with these lines. And, and this is uh, uh, very, uh, so this is my, my 
way into acupuncture to today, I would say. I'm not doing so much classical acupuncture, not on horses anyway, not on dogs I do, but on horses, these myofascial kinetic lines are really a big thing for me. That makes sense to me why you're, yeah. how, you're, how your practice would evolve that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Mm -hmm. well, Kim, thanks so much for your time. It was wonderful speaking with you. And I have to say thank you for all your service to, to veterinary acupuncture. I'm happy to do it. I hope I can, I can still be with, <laughs> with Ivers and, and Novus and everything else uh, for a while because I think it's, it's giving me so much back. It changed my life, I would say. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for, for talking to you. It was nice. All right. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.